State's basketball season is over, but the Buckeyes gave you a lot to like during the Big Ten tournament. We'll break it down, talk about some non-revenue sports, a little spring football, and the NFL draft all in this episode, an action-packed edition of the 11 Dubcast. Andy Vance joining you alongside Johnny Gennard. Johnny, I watched more basketball uh, in the three or four days of the Big Ten tournament than I think I did Certainly the entire calendar year of 2023 to date, uh, maybe the 22-23 season in total. And I got to admit, I walked away feeling a little bit better about Ohio State basketball (laughs) than I did before the tournament started. Am I just being sort of a, a fair weather fan here? Or did this Buckeye basketball team like turn a kind of a corner here and it's little mini tournament run. I don't know. I, I don't think you can say that they've turned a corner um, because that corner has led into an off season with no tournament of, you know what I'm saying? Like they got through it. Yeah. They won the games. Those are cool. And, you know, making, like I said, I, I said last week that I thought they would win against Wisconsin. They had a puncher's chance against Iowa. I was surprised they beat Michigan state, but I'm also not looking at this and going, ah, the narrative has turned and now they are good. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that they played much more cohesively than they had during Mm -hmm. the regular season in a lot of ways. And, you know, whether that's attributable to, you know, guys maybe playing more in the natural positions and just saying, screw it, we're going to try to outscore guys. Fine. Um, But, you know, even the only way they were getting into the postseason was if they had won the Big Ten tournament. And of course, that was not going to happen. I mean, they, this is a team that was admittedly by Holtman, admittedly hampered by injuries towards the end of the season. They had to play so many games in a very short period of time. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like you go Purdue, you can just see how gassed they were, right? I mean, there was just no. That's a There's lot no of basketball to play in a very short period of time. Yeah, yeah. And and look, they had the momentum. They came into the end of the season with a couple of wins and three games under their belt, and I think they were feeling pretty confident about themselves, and mm-hmm. that'll get you some wins in the Big Ten tournament. But mm-hmm. ultimately, it's still the same team. It still has the same kind of flaws. Are they as bad a, as a team that lost 14 out of 15 or 15 out of 16 or whatever it was? Are they that team? Are they that bad? Probably not. But are they, you know, good enough to beat, you know, a top third team in the Big Ten with regularity? No, there's they're, they aren't there either. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think that an Ohio State fan, um, you know, I don't think that an Ohio State fan looking at this should feel completely you know, disheartened by this season. I mean, obviously, there were some things to build on. and There's a lot of young talent, but. There are some, I think, endemic issues that a nice little run in the Big Ten tournament doesn't necessarily fix. I I watch the tournament and, you know, I watch guys like Roddy Gale and Bruce Thornton just, you know, really having their best games of the season. It felt oh, like, yeah, they were incredible. I mean, the, and, and to, you know, to his credit, Bruce Thornton played himself into making the all tournament team. Uh, which I thought was fantastic. He really mm-hmm. was was tremendous. They played those games, lar- you know, without Zed Key and largely without Bryce Sensabaugh, who went out uh, early in the tournament with a knee injury. And, you know, which which was even more interesting because, 
you know, since ball is not going to be back next season, you assume you, you, right. you, you know, he's going to go on to the next level and get paid to play basketball somewhere else. Uh, you know, we've talked about the Zed key situation and his injury and so on. They looked like a better team and this feels sacrilegious to say, but they look like a better team without those two guys than they did mm-hmm. without them. You would not have predicted that, you know, if I'd said to you in the middle of that January slump, you know, these guys are going to go down the stretch without, uh, without Zed and without without Sensible, you would have assumed they were getting blown out of every game. It felt like so. I yeah. I guess that that also impressed me that, and Matt Painter said it after the the, the game um, versus Purdue that you could see the future at Ohio State because this is a super young team. You know, four freshmen on the floor. Uh, so looking at Roddy Gale and and Bruce Thorne in particular, you know, gave me I guess some idea that. Chris Holtman has something to work with next season. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the problem though, is, is that it's not so much like he doesn't have talent. I think, I think most people realize that the dude had talent. <laughs> right. The issue is that he's had talent. He's had talent for six years and good young talent. And you're like, all right, well, let's see how they develop this season. And then, right. you know, it's always just waiting for next year. Like that's, that's always the way it's been, you know, you're like, okay, well, they underachieved this season, but just you wait. And then, you know, when you bring in five-star guys, guys who are clearly, you know, going to be testing the waters of the NBA draft, well, you're not going to have them for more than a year. So mm-hmm. the point is, is that you you need to have this immediacy when it comes to these dudes. Um, and it just feels like Ohio State doesn't have that because of the, you know, the, the fact that it feels like for some of the players, all right, well, you're going to need four years of development before you're really going to evolve into what, Holtman needs you to be. And then for other guys who are the good enough, they're, they're gone. So it goes back to this idea of roster management and team composition and things like that. And that's something that I think most observers would say this team has struggled to, to have something that's coherent and a base that they can build on. And, um, you know, hopefully you have that now and, and hopefully you can weather some players leaving, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, and you know, we obviously want Zed to be healthy and all that kind of stuff. That That's going to factor into it. I do think that next year you're going to have um, a better team in terms of, like, team composition overall. It's going to be more sensical, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's still – it's 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 a work in progress that feels like it's been a long time in progress. And, and you want to see more production at this point. Yeah. You, you know, you hit on a couple of things. I, I agree with there. And one of the things that, that baffled me as I was watching this little tournament run, uh, I, I was more baffled about some of the losses that the team suffered watching how well they played in those tournament games. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I was looking and saying, how did this team lose 14 out of 15 in a row? Because there were stretches where you're like, man, they they're really doing well. And, well, even in the games that they lost, you would say that though, right? Like, well, you, I mean, we use the Nebraska analogy more yeah. than once, right? That there was just the, the, the best awful team in America, uh, because they, well, you know, and you go back to, there were, you know, uh, a, a last minute bucket away from beating Purdue, uh, in the regular season. And, you know, then Purdue handled them pretty well in that, that semifinal game, uh, fatigue had something to do with that, of course, but you, you would have said, well, Purdue's the much, much better Ball club. We're going to talk more about Purdue in a minute, particularly Chris Holtman's comments about the three second mm-hmm. rule, which I think I think bear discussing uh, a little bit further. Uh, when I'm looking at this team and some of the points you just made about 
you know, the, the talent versus development question. One of the things that's really puzzled me, you know, not just how did they lose some of these games, but going back and looking at kind of the dichotomy on, on the one hand, I'd look and say, you know what? I thought Holman coached pretty well during the tournament. I, there, there weren't any major yeah. times where I was like, man, I, he really cocked that up where during some of the regular season games were like, what were they thinking? Was there a play there? What was the goal of that possession? You know, some of those kind of where you're like, what is going on? The development question, mm-hmm. uh, certainly. So I, I go back and forth from thinking, hey, this is a pretty good coach, or you hear some of the national guys or other members of the coaching fraternity talk about Chris Holman like he's a great coach. And then some of those games you're like, uh, okay, I I don't get that at all. What are you doing? Same thing with recruiting. On the one hand, you'd say, you know, what well, he's been a pretty good recruiter. He's got great recruiting classes coming in here. Yeah. And yet farming the portal has been absolutely atrocious. Right. And, you know, when we <laughs> talked about that a little bit, like that, I mean, there is some give and take there, right? Like there's, if you, if you do great in recruiting, right, does that make it harder for you to, you know, do what you need to do in the portal. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's interesting. That That's an interesting question, especially for a team that, you know, despite all the resources that Ohio State has, they're not a blue blood in college basketball. They're not going to be able to basically call their own shot when it comes to recruits, like the, maybe the way the football team would. And so I think there is a give and take when it comes to that. And it's interesting how that, that will play out, um, especially when you have such a great recruiting class coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Lots to lots to think about here going into the offseason. Ohio State missing the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2016, 2017. Uh, interesting talk over the weekend. You know, there was at one point Gene Smith made a comment about, uh, you know, the NIT should consider Ohio State. Then Holtman seemed to kind of poo-poo that during some of his postgame comments. Uh, I personally am not disappointed. They're not in the NIT. I imagine maybe most Ohio State fans feel the same kind of. Uh, let this team to go with some of the injuries Chris Holtman alluded to uh, during those com- conversations that that maybe there are additional injuries people didn't know about. You know, obviously, Sensabaugh mm-hmm. and Key were, were the marquee ones. Um, but, you know, it's never good to be out of the tournament, particularly considering that, what, 68 teams make it in. Right. It's been a relatively long time, 2016, 2017, since they have missed the big dance. Does this lessen your enjoyment of the NCAA tournament at all, not having a, a rooting interest per se, or does this take the the pressure off? This is kind of my ask us anything question for you mm-hmm. for, the, for the episode, Johnny is uh, uh, what, what does this do for your enjoyment of the NCAA tournament this month? I think it changes a little bit, you know, like there's definitely more of an interest when Ohio state's involved in it, but it's still the greatest sporting event in America. And it's still fun as hell. And honestly, I mean, that's the thing about March Madness is that you get most of your enjoyment from how your bracket's doing and also just the sheer insanity of having 100 games going on at the same time. And at any moment, you know, there could be a buzzer beater. There could be some insane back and forth game that everybody wants to tune into between two teams they've never heard of. So that's really, I think, the heart and soul of March Madness. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's lessened a little bit just because it's you don't have that. Uh, rooting interest but it's still fun it's still a, you know a really great time to check out and discuss and everybody's you know surreptitiously watching it at work and trying not to get caught and it's i don't know it, it's a fun it's a, it, it's it's fun because it is what it is because of the structure of the 
uh, tournament and the teams and the drama. And that's, that's why we watch. That's the really great part about it. You have your bracket filled out yet? No, not yet. Although I helped, um, so I'm an educator. I helped a student uh, fill one out today. And, <laughs> I love uh, that. <laughs> she made some interesting picks. I, you know, I got to say, I, I, you know what? It's one of those brackets where I'm like, I can see it. You know, it's some bold choices, some good upsets. Hadn't one thing I had to respect, zero faith in the Big Ten. And that's exactly how it should be because none of those teams, even Purdue, uh, am I particularly convinced by. So she was she was very anti Big Ten. And I'm like, you know what? Good call. Cause don't don't go ride or die on that. That's they're not gonna, they will not give you a successful, happy end if you uh if you go all in on like Purdue or somebody. Yeah, and I have to say I'm very curious to see what happens with with Purdue because, you know, on the one hand, you you watched him play Ohio State and you think, man, Edie is a monster. This is a this is a really great team. Matt Painter's a great coach. On the other hand, they've clearly got some Fitzwarts and Freckles. Right? They're not they're they're not uh, a perfect team by any stretch of the imagination. And you know. It, it ain't easy to make it to the final four, right? It's uh, it, it ain't easy to make it to the, the the final game of the tournament. And there's a little bit of luck involved in there. There's a little bit of magic, a little bit of uh, madness. So I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of excited excited to see what happens to him. It's been a minute since the Big Ten has had a representative bring back a title, uh, and and it feels like for as good as the conference is supposed to be it's long past time for somebody to bring it home. I'm not convinced it's going to be this season, but yeah. Uh, it's... Well, you know, when all it takes is one referee to start calling the three second rule and then that's it. I'm glad you mentioned that because Chris Holtman brought up something that, you know, I, I think could have been interpreted as sour grapes, except it was funny as I was scanning uh, Reddit comments on uh, our Griffin Strom's post of of Holtman's comments everybody pretty much agreed you know what Holtman's right about this yeah they're uh, like Ohio oh State well fans like, it is funny too because everybody's primed to be like okay Holtman's just whining or whatever and then everybody's yeah, like, he eh, he's got a, point. a lot he's got a point. but in this case yeah got a point. Uh, and if you didn't hear his comments specifically what Chris Holtman said is that the three second rule needs to be evaluated after Ohio State's matchup with uh, Zach Eady and Purdue because it's not a rule that's that's being enforced. Uh, you know, you've got what what is what's eighty seven four three hundred pounds center. Um, you know, he basically lived in the paint. And he just mm -hmm. he, he can you know went in there and and um, camped out and and I you know give him credit and give him Matt, Matt Painter credit. It's kind of like holding in in football. You know, get away with it as long as you can. You know, don't right. stop doing it until they call it. And that's right. That's in essence, I mean, Edie kept a foot in the paint all night long and, you know, it's a huge advantage. He can just suck up the middle of the floor and, you know, uh, it, Holtman also made the comment, uh, you know, kind of compared it to, to teams that foul all night long because they can't call them all, you know? Right. So same thing here, right? Edie, you know, sucks up the floor and it's not, um, you know, it's not getting called. What, what, what is there to be done about this? Is, is this something Nothing. that, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he raises it. We're all like, yeah, man, coach, that's right on. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. There's, uh, I mean, what do you do? I mean, here's, if you really wanted to make a stink about it, you could as a coach, right. I think you could just start counting off seconds and the ear of a ref 
as like I actually thought about that today. If I were Holtman and I were actually angry about this and and was willing to take it to its logical conclusion, which is, you know, a fine, I would get in the ear of a ref and just start counting off seconds whenever ED is in the paint and just like, you know, and wait until I get a T and then another one and then kicked out. And on your way out, you tell the student section, as you see him in the paint, start counting off seconds loudly. <laughs> Just do whatever you can do to be as disruptive as humanly possible to make an issue out of this. And then, yeah, maybe somebody will talk about it and maybe, you know, the Big Ten goes, yeah, okay, we'll start calling it or something like that. But mm -hmm. until you're willing to to eat that, uh, I don't think it's going to change or make a difference. I think people will just go like, yeah, well, what are you going to do? And that's... Right. It's one of those that's, things that's, that's, that it kind of reminds happens. me like traveling, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. Some, some people brought this up in, in the comments on our, our post on the site. And I, I will say watching, watching, uh, football and basketball with the stunning Mrs. Vance is fun because, you know, if we're watching football, particularly if we're watching the Steelers, cause you know, she's a, a, a diehard Steelers fan and, You'll you'll hear her scream, holding, 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 because of course you can call holding on every play in football, right? Same thing when we're watching basketball. Uh, and I liked I liked the comment from Mercy Tech on our site. You know, the Eurostep has evolved into a waltz, which I I thought was yeah was 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 great wordsmithing. Uh, you know that whole it's it's no longer uh taking uh you know a couple steps from the foul line to the basket it's you know damn near the beyond the arc uh, i saw some during ohio state's tournament games where i'm like good lord how many yeah. steps did he get in there uh on yeah. his way to the basket it was <laughs> felt like five i like how i mean it's the euro step which just means traveling yeah <laughs> yeah so the yeah i mean you know like i said though it's one of those things where you mentioned it with holding and there's it exists in every sport where there's a bending of the rules. There's a, actually a, just a straight up breaking of the rules. And it's just become an ingrained part of the sport where people are like, whatever, <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. I don't even care anymore. Who cares? Whatever. Well, <laughs> it's, we could enforce it, but that would be a lot of effort. And everybody's just kind of agreed to disagree that it's a problem. And you know, it's, it's just one of those things where we're just, we gave up and it's fine. And that's, I don't know. I, I can understand as an opposing coach, especially when you have a guy like Edie, you can take advantage of that, that it's um, frustrating, but uh, other players do that too. And I know it stands out because the guy's seven foot four, but it's not like Zed key has never stand, stood in the paint for longer than he's supposed to. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's not, it, it's not unique to this guy. So I think that's part of what other people would say is like, yeah, I know it, it's because he's huge and Purdue's really good and all that kind of stuff, but it's an ingrained part of the game at this point. And, um, you know, it's just one of those, uh, I guess, agreements we make with ourselves, one of those compromises as, as fans and observers and players of the sport that you're just like, all right, whatever. Yeah. It's on the books. We're not going to pay that much attention to it. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. As the kids say these days, it is what it is. Uh, other basketball <laughs> institutions, uh, not related specifically to Ohio State, but one that caught my attention over the weekend, Jim Beheim's 47-year, yes, 47-year career. That's a long time. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's longer than I have been alive. Uh, no longer head basketball coach at Syracuse. You know, not a great series, not a great season for the Orange, um, and you hate to see a guy like that go out that way and i say 
I don't, there's some discussion of whether or not Chip Beheim's actually a, a good person or not, but the, uh, you hate to see somebody who's been a legend in the sport go out, you know, with a whimper instead of a bang. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm sitting here thinking like is Tom Izzo, the, is, is he the, the long tenured guy now in the sport? Like of the, of the blue blood type coaches or the institutions. I mean, who's, who's the big man on campus left now with Bayheim gone. Cause you, you've already got, you know, Roy Williams gone and, and uh, Mike Shusevsky gone. Like who are the institutions left? It's all, all kind of the young guys. I get Bill self, I guess maybe is he, although he had to step down from the big 12 tournament because uh, had some, I guess they said it wasn't a heart attack, but. Yeah. It's, it's weird because basketball felt like it, was kind of uh, resisted the really um, mercenary nature of, you know, head coaching that college football has, right? Where it's like, all right, you know, what have you done for me lately? How much yeah. can you pay me? Seems like the longest tenure guy is going to be around for 10 years, maybe. And then, you know, it takes a turn and then he's gone. Um, and in basketball, you felt like, okay, well, there's all these guys who've been here like 30, 40 years. And I think even now that's starting to become more of a rarity. And then mm-hmm. that's maybe just the atmosphere of what coaching is like now um, and how it's changed and also the demands on these guys uh, to, to deliver and the money involved. So, you know, maybe that's just going to be much more of an outlier and more of the norm is, okay, if you're at a place for 10, 12 years, then you're considered to be long tenured. You know what I mean? That's just, mm-hmm. it feels like it's changing a little bit in terms of coaching tenures across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And, to some extent, you know, it's one of those that you say, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I like it because I I enjoyed, there's something to be said for enjoying some of the personalities in the sport, you know? Oh, and, sure, yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I'm old enough to remember Bobby Knight as an active head coach, right? And so say what you will about Coach Knight, but he was an entertaining personality mm-hmm. on, the, on the floor uh, and, and damn good at his job besides uh you know so some of that comes from the tenure some of these guys have had right like you feel like you get to know something about a tom Izzo, about a mike shishevsky now some of those guys you love to hate right you know and i know that's there's yes. you know, the villains and the heroes in any sport um but nick saban in college football like would would we have the strong opinions that we have about nick saban if he was only there a couple of years you know, Probably not. And, well, I mean, depending on how many, let's say if you were there for five years and you won national championship all five times, then yeah, I don't know, maybe. Well, I'll but, use the example, like, uh, you know, how much, how much do you think about Kirby smart versus how much do you think about uh, Nick Saban or, right. or Dabo Swinney or, you know, right. guys who have been now 10 years from now, Kirby Smart's still at Georgia. We're going to be talking about him in the same tones. Like, so I just, I, I think there's something that we lose when we're running these guys out of town as fast as they are. Not to say, mm-hmm. you know, not to say that some of them don't need to get run out of town. Of course, you know, you've got to deliver, uh, you got to deliver the goods, but they're the idea that we're going to have somebody spend 47 years as head coach of a basketball team in the modern era seems ludicrous to me. Like we're, it, it, I, I don't think we're going to have that again, kind of thing, you know? Right. No, I agree. Um, it is it is a signal of how things have been changing. Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right. It, it does take away a little bit from the game. But like I said, the expectations have changed. And it's interesting, too, if you look at the, you know, the careers that these guys have had. And I don't know, maybe it's just relative to expectations, I guess. Like, you know, yeah. Bobby Knight, 
as an example, I think he was at army for a while, right? Yes. Before he went to Indiana. Correct. You know, you can, you can build up a really long resume at a smaller school or a school with lower expectations and whether, and it's the same thing with Pat Fitzgerald at uh Northwestern, but you can weather some really bad seasons and nobody's like, after your head you know yep and then in basketball if you are able to build up this program into maybe not you know a a perennial national championship contender but at least somebody pretty good and you know a a team that's constantly winning conference titles or maybe they make ncaa appearances at a school where you wouldn't normally expect that and i think actually in basketball i think the dynamics a little bit different too because if you're able to get into the NCAA tournament, you can have a mediocre season, but you get into that tournament and that really cures all ills, right? Because that's still a resume builder for that coach, uh, depending on where you're at. Um, and so a lot of coaches can get away with that. You'll have mediocre stretches, whereas in college football, that may not be allowed. So that's part of it too. I think that helps longevity. Um, but on the other hand, at Ohio State, <laughs> maybe it's not maybe that's not the job security that uh it is at like davidson or something like that so well i find that interesting i mean not only that but i i think also you know basketball is different from football in that what you need to accomplish to be considered a success is you have a wider range of opportunities to be considered a success consider you know like if you don't win a regular season conference title you got the tournament, right? Get the conference tournament. tournament. You don't win the conference tournament. You've got a a chance to make the NCAA tournament. You got a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Well, you may not win the national championship, but you know, you could, you could get to the final four. I mean, we hang banners for final four appearances, or even just win a couple games. Like if you're in the sweet 16, people are like, Oh, all right. Sweet 16. That's pretty good. You know, like, yes. Yeah. So you're right. That is absolutely correct. There are tons of opportunities to kind of redeem your season. In, in college basketball, maybe that's why it stands out so much more starkly when you miss all of those opportunities <laughs> with the talented team. And then you're like, huh, there are a lot of ways this season could have gone kind of right. And none of them happened. So that yep. can be frustrating. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit. We're going to finish up the show with uh, talk of some very successful non-revenue sports at Ohio State. I do, however, want to give a shout out to the women's uh, basketball team earning a number three seed of the NCAA tournament. Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the top 16 teams uh, in, in the business. They'll host first and second round games in Columbus for the first time since 2018. Buckeye women get number 14 seeing James Madison, and then they'll either play number six, North Carolina, or uh, the winner of the play-in game between Purdue and St. John's. So very cool. Uh, Ohio State sits in the regional seeds behind Virginia Tech and, and UConn. How do you feel about the women's chances uh, coming to this tournament? Have you been paying much attention to the ladies? You know what? I think they've, I feel like they've righted the ship at least a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they're, they're in it to win it at this point. And I, I know that they have had some disappointment in March Madness in years past, and that still may be the case this year, but they look a little bit more cohesive along with, you know, the same way the men's basketball team kind of pulled together a little bit. They look more cohesive than they had. So I, I am excited for a team that is capable of the kind of comeback that we saw in the semifinals in the big 10 tournament. I think that they are ready for a scrap and that they are tournament ready. So do I think they're going to make the final four? I don't know. That would be, that would be difficult, but 
I think they're going to perform a lot better than people expect and, and do the Big Ten and Ohio State proud. Yeah, I do too. I'm I'm a believer here. I I think they're I think they're going to make some noise. And the thing I love about tournament basketball is everybody's got a shot. You know, like yeah. there's just, I mean the, the Cinderella stories happen. And mm-hmm. Ohio State is a three season on a Cinderella. But you know, even though you've had some of those ups and downs you were talking about, I all it takes is just for a team to catch a little fire. And next thing you know, you know, you're dancing in a final four. So I, I I believe in this team. I think they got a shot looking forward to seeing them happen. I think it's great that they get to play in Columbus. That's very cool. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. You can get team, get tickets. Uh, they were available still for purchase on Ticketmaster at, uh, at the time we were recording. So go, go cheer on the women. Let's see if they can't make some magic. All right, Johnny, let's uh, let's open up the mailbag here, which is uh, our our cue to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store, which you can find at drygoods.11warriors.com. Hats, T-shirts, stickers, all the finer things for the discerning fan of the local sports team you can find at drygoods.11warriors.com. What do we have, my friend? All right, well, let's do some Ask Us Anything. You can ask us literally anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Let's start with Matt in Minneapolis, who says, let's talk about uh, distance swimming. Um, Four laps in, I wanted no part of swimming distance uh, for freestyle for speed. That's fair, but also, Matt, that is uh, four laps. Four laps, I mean, sometimes people say lengths when they mean laps. A lap is up and back. So up and back is 50 yards or meters, depending on it. Four of those is 200. And I actually, that was my event. Um, That was, and the reason why it was my event, it was not because I was any good at it, is because I was the only person who was willing to do it on the team when I was younger. (laughs) So I just got roped into doing it basically (laughs) until I graduated high school. Coach just said, you there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, they're like, Johnny, are you like, because when you're a kid and you're doing summer swimming, uh, you know, when you're like eight, nine years old, they don't, they don't let you do 500s yet. So they just say 200s. That's, that's the distance. And I said, fine, <laughs> like, whatever. I didn't care. I don't just, just assign me. I didn't, you know, I didn't think about it. What do you and say coach? Yeah. And I'm just telling you something. 200 is nothing. I've done a 1500 straight in practice. It's it's, I did not do it for in a competition for speed. That's insanity. Uh, but 200 man, I got to tell you something, assuming that's up and back, it could just be a 100. You could be talking about 100, but a 400 or a 200 is if you're like a, a legit swimmer, I just want to preface with all this. That is tiddlywinks. And if you think about these guys who are like doing 500 for speed, 1500 for speed, it is bonkers stuff. Endurance athletes are just nuts is what I'm saying. Anyway, Matt says, I consider myself a pretty good athlete. At the time, I could do a 30-ish uh, minute Murph. I'm not real sure what Murph is. I know it's CrossFit related. but Yeah, that is, a, that is a well-known workout <laughs> of the day. Okay, 30-ish. Is that is 30-minute Murph? Is that good? That I have no clue about. I just know enough about it. That I think it's great. About. I bet it's the, I bet it's world-class. I bet it's fantastic. <laughs> Elite. Uh, he said, I tried getting in the pool with an ex-girlfriend who was a competitive swimmer, and she wiped the floor with me. Kudos to the swimmers, seriously amazing athletes. Uh, and and Matt just wants to say, keep up the great work, gentlemen, because we talked about the swimmers uh, a couple of episodes ago. I, I will say this, okay? A lot of it's specialized. Um, it's the same with cycling, right? Like I'm I'm not a good cycler, a cyclist. I'm not fast, but I can I can go a long ways. Um, but it's really just building up to it. Um, swimming for speed, again, bonkers. It, it's it's 
takes an unbelievable amount of endurance. But it's also something that if you're just wanting to do in general, you can do it. It, it, it's just not something that you can hop in the water and start swimming. Like if you're like, Oh, I know how to swim. Yeah. You, you don't, it's fine. <laughs> you, you, you think you do. You think you do. You're like, Oh, I know how to swim. You just you know, you turn your head, you breathe, you kick, you stroke. It, you really don't. It's, it's a lot more about energy management and pace and technique. And it's like anything at the highest levels of any sport, it becomes increasingly difficult to compete because what people have done is they have basically analyzed every single iota every single little tiny minutia piece of of technique and perfected it to the nth degree and that's all they do i mean michael phelps if you talk about michael phelps the greatest swimmer of all time and i'm not even saying that because of all the medals uh he just physically the things that he was able to do i mean he's the babe ruth of uh, of swimming he's a hank Harry. i mean there's no comparison he's wayne gretzky of swimming it's Absolutely. it's ridiculous he is far and beyond yep. um so but he was in the pool like eight to ten hours a day you right. know swimming eight to ten miles a day and and like consuming twelve thousand calories because it's all you're doing is just continuous work um it takes a long time to get to that so don't give up, Matt, is what I'm saying. If you, if you enjoy swimming, and swimming is a fantastic uh, way to exercise, keep at it. You'll be surprised at how quickly you'll improve. It's, like I said, same with cycling. Um, you know, you can start off. If you, if you want to get on a bike and ride five miles, 10 miles, you're going to hate it the next day. You're going to be like, this is terrible. Why did I do it? Then a month later, you can be riding 40 or 50 miles. Like, you, I mean, it's, it really is something that if you just practice a little bit, it will definitely get easier and better to do. Um, this next one here is from Kevin who says, guys, I try to mow my grass in one straight line and start my lawnmower once a week in the winter. Uh, gas stabilizer doesn't work for us. Do you have any landscaping tricks or tips to share? So uh, the thing I would say about the, you know, kind of winterizing and whatnot, uh, and and I have a relatively small piece of grass to to manage, you know, we, we live in town here, so it's not quite, quite like when I was out on the farm and we had the big zero turn mowers. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely moved and moved to a, an electric mower. Um, I got one of those. I think it's a cobalt brand. It's whatever Lowe's uh, kind of house brand is. And Home Depot has an equivalent, I'm sure. But it's just whatever their house brand is. And it runs on, you know, batteries. Mm. Uh, I've got probably three of those darn batteries and a couple chargers. And so I, I, it usually will take me like one and a half batteries to, to mow the yard uh, with the push mower. Um, okay. And I, the reason I say that's a tip is because I got to the point where, it was the same thing. You know, I had a John Deere push mower that dad, dad, or little brother or both had gotten me when we got married or moved into the house from along those lines. And it was a great mower, uh, actually probably cut the grass better than my cheap little Lowe's model. But every spring it was the same bloody thing. You know, you had to take it in and get it worked on. I'm not a small engine expert by any stretch of the imagination. And the same thing, the gas stabilizer, I never seemed to get it worked, get it to work. There was always water in the gas. So I switched to the electric and you know what? I don't miss internal combustion engine one iota with regard to that. And I got, because um, 
you know, you got the batteries, you can, the, the weed eater runs on the same battery. The, um, let's see, I think I've got like a leaf blower that runs on that battery. I've got an edger that runs on that battery. So, you know, I can run four or five different pieces of equipment on that same thing works really, really well. So that I would say is my, my big tip. If you, if you aren't out mowing like acreage, <laughs> Yeah, say to hell with that internal combustion engine and go go get you a little electric mower deal at Lowe's. You'll be happier. Yeah. And all you got then you all you got to do is keep the batteries charged and sharpen the blades. That's it. Yeah. I the only thing about batteries, don't leave them in the charger. You will destroy the battery. Good tip. Good tip. That's true. That the hard way. I don't. You know what? I've never. Um, I've never started on my lawnmower in the winter for whatever reason i don't i don't know how the mechanics of how that works and it's never been that big of an issue although my parents actually donated their lawnmower to us because uh, theirs was a thousand years old and they wanted a new one i was like all right well i'll take your old one okay and so it, we fixed it up and it's uh, uh it, it's good it's like you know it's super old it's probably like 30 freaking years at this point um but it works real well and we have we have a pretty small lawn too, but very, very thick grass in the back that grows very quickly um, and patchy. It just looks like crap. So, <laughs> so you know what, Kevin, I don't have any, I don't have any advice. Um, <laughs> my advice is find someone who's smart to help you out because I, yeah, <laughs> I got nothing. Yes, um, ain't me. Our lawn looks like trash. I, uh, yeah, that's one of my secret shames. Um, okay. Lastly here, this is from our good friend, Alvin. What is one language you wish you learned growing up? And you know what? I'm going to say Spanish. And I took like, God, I took Spanish my freshman year of college. I took Spanish junior, sophomore, and freshman years. And I took Spanish in seventh and eighth grade. And I was terrible at it, in part because I never put in a lot of effort, but also because it was just muy difícil para mí. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, and um, you know what? I it, it would have been, I think, A, a really good resume builder, but B, and more importantly, a just for people I need to communicate with people in my everyday life. I've, I, you know, I encounter and, and talk to a lot of people who speak Spanish. It's the second most spoken language uh, in the United States. I feel like that would have been something that would have been really useful for me to have learned and, and put in more effort. So I always feel bad about that. And, and maybe one day I'll revisit it because it's, it's also a fun, I like Spanish as a language. It's a, you know what I mean? Like it's an elegant language, but it's fun to speak. It, it's not difficult for me, like French, you know, that just hates consonants. Um, <laughs> It's not like German where you're combining five different words together into one word, just one insane long word that takes an hour to say. It's a, it's a nice language. I enjoy it quite a bit. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and, and try to improve my skills in that. Spanish is a, a great answer because of how widely spoken it is. Yeah. Uh, and and I, the thing that's interesting about this is that my answer to this question has changed at different points in my life. So when I was a kid... And, and I say kid, I guess in this case, we were going into high school and was making the decision of what what foreign language class did I want to take. Options were French and Spanish. I chose French primarily because uh, I didn't like the Spanish teacher all that much. And the French teacher was a delightful uh, woman, very, mm -hmm. very, very sweet, soft spoken. Um, I wouldn't call her motherly type, but she was just a very sweet older lady. <clears throat> and I, I enjoyed her class. She was very kind. And the uh, Spanish instructor was was none of those things. And so that's why I took French. And my dad 
said, you know, why on earth are you taking French? You are never going to need that. You're never going to be just walking down the street and bump into a French speaker. And you know what? <laughs> Au contraire. And you, and you know what? He's now at the time I thought I proved him wrong because um I was 15 and I had the chance to go to Europe for uh, a three-week tour with a marching band that summer. So I did use some French and I was like, well, see, Dad. Now, fast forward, you know, 25 years, and Dad was absolutely right. Spanish, Spanish today in my professional life would be infinitely more useful to me. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Infinitely more useful. And throughout my career in agriculture, any number of times that that Spanish would have been more useful. I'm actually currently um doing portuguese on duolingo so i'm I'm trying to learn portuguese i don't know how successful i will or will not be at that uh, i don't know how successful to think duolingo is or isn't as a method of learning a second language but that's that's what i'm working on currently uh the other language dad thought i should speak other than spanish and it wasn't offered so it wasn't like it was really an option in hillsborough ohio in in the the mid 90s would have been japanese and if you think about what our economy was going through at the time, the proliferation of factories tied to Japanese automakers in the Buckeye State was was a huge, uh, when you think about the Michael Keaton uh, movie, Gung Ho was was big. Uh, it was all about, you know, Japanese coming in, taking over the factory, you know, mm-hmm. the, ta- the the song turning Japanese, you know, like it's, we had this kind of, and you and I have talked about this before, like the 80s and 90s, there was this, and I won't say anti-Japanese necessarily, but there was just a like lot a of panic. fear. Yeah. yeah. There, was, there was this fear that Japan was going to take over the world uh yeah that clearly did not materialize the way our parents thought it would but would japanese as a language benefit me today no not so much but dad was convinced at the time that yeah. i needed to learn spanish and japanese well today like if i had to, to do all over again you know we would have gotten a mandarin speaking au pair or something uh, all right to, sure yeah. our daughter would learn mandarin because i would say gosh what does she need to learn spanish and mandarin spanish and mandarin that's not yeah. going to happen you know that that ship has sailed but if i were going to do it all over again and so so the point i think i'm broader point is what language you should learn has changed you know every every so many years depending on okay like what's the what's the dominant economy out there or you know where are the opportunities to to go well that's why that's why i was thinking like spanish i mean that's yeah you know, there's a large Spanish speaking population in the United States. That's to me, that's not something where it's going to be subject to the whims of the global economy, if that makes sense. Um, And will continue to be useful for a very long time. So, or you just learn Latin, (laughs) just learn a dead language, whatever you don't need. Well, when I, every time I mentioned Mandarin, so when our daughter was, was, you know, first born, I was always saying, we need to, we need to get a nanny that speaks. We didn't have a nanny, but we need to get a nanny that speaks Mandarin. So she'll learn this stuff because when they're wee bairns is the easiest time for them to learn it. Right. And she kept saying, "Ah, I don't need to learn that. We should learn Italian. (laughs) What are we going to do with that? Yeah. The beautiful language. Fine. But like, some vacation 20 years from now is going to be the only time we're ever going to need that, you know? Right. Um, anyway. All right. So that's Good ask question. us anything. Thank you for sending those in. Those are fantastic. And we'll keep answering them. Well done, friends. Well done. And I'm going to wrap this up shortly so I can go do my Duolingo Portuguese lesson for the night. Thank you for the reminder. So I don't forget that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about non-revenue sports. Ohio State baseball doing really well under a first year head coach um super impressed with how 
how they are doing. Had a great run over the weekend. Uh, Cal State Bakersfield went down 17 to 5. Buckeyes scored 28 runs on Sunday in a doubleheader. Feels like a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I was super impressed with that. Want to give a big shout out to uh, Adelaide Aquila winning her fourth national shot put title at the NCAA mm, yeah. Indoor Champion. She is incredible. Uh, be a four timer. Huge shout out to her. Women's hockey uh, advancing in the NCAA quarterfinals, earning a, a third straight Frozen Four berth. So you gotta love that. The women tearing it up on the ice. Your your favorite uh, Ohio State non-revenue sport to watch here down the stretch, John? Women's hockey. It's not even close. Women's yeah. hockey. Yeah, pretty amazing. By far. Women's hockey. Let's go. I, I'm all in it. They got to they gotta pull that back-to-back. It's going to be great. Yeah, I, I have faith. I think they'll pull it off. Very excited about that. Let's wrap up a little bit of spring football. I know you've been excited about uh, spring ball here, and particularly watching uh, the improvement of a guy who I think figures to be a pretty important part of the defense that – in cornerback Denzel Burke, like what you see so far out of the uh, out of the returning veteran. Yeah, well, I you know what I'm just going to quote uh, Jim Knowles himself, who says uh, he got his hands on more balls than maybe all spring and camp together. So that's, that's what she said. I'll just oh. leave that. I'll leave that there. And Sorry, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. I'm a child good. of the '90s. That was the <laughs> the great comeback, right? Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Coach Knowles. We appreciate that quote. By you the know way. what's funny though, too. Fantastic. Like he, Knowles just kept doubling down on that terminology, <laughs> which is also so. Anyway, uh, um, that's amazing. My mom listens to this podcast. Uh, Hi, mom. Yeah, but I. But for real though, it, it's good to see that Denzel Burke is is flashing a little bit, and and people want to see. <laughs> I love it. Sorry, I you can't know, stop myself. You did that on purpose, didn't I know. you? <laughs> I know. But, but it, okay, okay. In actual seriousness, <laughs> you want to see Denzel Burke get back to, uh, you know, the, the level of play that we saw a couple years ago when he first started. And I think you'll see that. It, it, part of it, too, we talked a lot about this with Kyle, is um, getting comfortable with general scheme, understanding what's expected of them, and some of those breakdowns that you see uh, that really uh, I'm starting to really believe cost Ohio state a national championship will, um, you know, hopefully become less common because guys will be more confident in their place in the scheme. They'll understand when they can really like, you know, go for broke. And, and I think one of the things is, especially when you're watching it, you will see guys take chances when they don't need to take chances or when they shouldn't take chances. And now that, you know, you have more time in the scheme and, and, and have played, you know, more reps, you'll know when to take those chances and when not and to play conservatively. And so having that instinctual understanding of where you should be on the field in a given situation, particularly as it relates to the other players around you, which is a huge part of defensive back play, um, you'll see less of those breakdowns. And I, it's not just, Burke, who I think will be a lot better. I think the rest of the team's going to look really good too. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's spot on. And the thing we we said about Jim Knowles when he was hired, you know, is that this is a guy that that uh, his units just got better every year. Yep. Uh, relied on on veterans, uh, and I I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see that be the case and the improvement from year one to year two. I'm I'm excited about. Uh, yeah. Agree. There's a pretty exciting day ahead, so we'll look forward to it. And, you know, 
It'll be here before we know it. Spring game's just around the corner. We're about a month out from the spring game. Look forward to that. And you can do an appreciation day, April 1st. I think that's a cool, uh, cool tradition and look forward to uh, look forward to getting the report from the rest of spring practices. Of course, you can follow all of that uh, at 11 warriors.com beat team doing yeoman's work as always. All right, friends, good show. Send us those questions to ask us anything. We'll have more spring uh, football talk this time next week. Until which, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the 11 Podcast.